Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Marriage Matters, What It's Meant to Be, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on February 12th, 2017. Well, this morning, uh, I want to ask you a question. Um, do you realize that, that every person that follows Jesus Christ is in a, a marriage covenant, a marriage relationship with him. You think about that, the aspect or the, the, the title or the, the term that we use um, when we say marriage and its meaning and the, the concept and how we understand that in today's society. See, I want to explain something to you this morning as we look at God's word about what the Bible teaches about marriage and what it's meant to be. See, God had a great purpose and a great plan when he created the heavens and the earth and all the things in it. And he included you and I in that part. He included you and I in the aspect of what he wanted to do and the purposes that that he wanted to fulfill. See, you and I are considered, those that follow Jesus Christ are considered to be the bride of Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom and he's preparing his people, for that one great occasion when he comes back. I want you to look up here on the screen and and see what Jesus says here in in Revelation. Should be up there in just a second. There it is. All right, let's read that together. It says, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. Yes, you can read it along. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Do you see the picture that Jesus is describing here for us? See what God is doing in the essence of what he meant it to be when we think about marriage? See, it's this this beautiful unity, this beautiful covenant between God and man. It's this oneness that God is trying to create and and trying to help us to understand and how intricate it is and how important it is. You know, teenagers, young adults, single people, married people, all of us, if we walk with Jesus Christ, if we stand with Jesus, we truly need to understand what marriage was meant to be. And the picture that, that God created for us in that, in that marriage covenant. I love what he says in this passage when he says, it was granted her, which is us, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. He's given us the opportunity. And he says, the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. It's how we reflect Jesus in this world. It's the things that we do to honor and bring glory to God. See, this picture is being revealed to us to help us to see the value that God has placed on marriage. It's what it's meant to be. See, we know when when God creates something, he wants to be glorified in it, right? And God created marriage. See, when God creates things, he wants to use those things for his glory. He wants to use you to glorify himself. Jesus says that in the Gospels. 
Jesus glorified God. And he prays to God and he says, help them to bring glory also. See, I believe from what the Bible teaches that you and I are being courted by God right now. We are being pursued by God. You know, I, I tell my kids this all the time. and They look at me like I'm crazy. Um, I tell them that, that they can't start dating until they get married. And they're like, what? Don't, shouldn't I start before I get married? How's that going to all work? You know, but what I mean by that is that simply this, is that when we get into this marriage relationship, when we enter into this covenant, that's truly when the courtship begins. It's truly when we should start pursuing one another. That's truly when we should start doing the things that will help each other to grow together and not apart. But for whatever reason, we think that, that once we get married, it's all over. Well, I'm done. I don't have to put any cologne on. I don't have to wear that nice shirt that she likes or that he likes. But what's funny is in our, in our relationship with God, we think that the moment that we receive salvation, when we receive that free gift from God, we think, oh, okay, I'm done. It's over. You know, I'm good. God has redeemed me from my sins. I'm restored. I feel good. All is well. But no, that, that's the moment when God says, hey, you know what? I want you to surrender your life to me. That's the moment when, I, when he says, hey, I've given you salvation. Now, now I want you to live as I am your Lord. I am your God. See, there's this this courtship that goes on and ensues. And the Bible tells us here in Revelations that God is courting us. He's preparing us for his second coming. He's getting us ready and he wants to clothe us in his righteousness. He wants us to look nice. He wants us to look good when he comes again. See, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, well, how will I respond to this love that God is offering us? Last week, Alan and Carrie did a phenomenal job of walking through 1 Corinthians 13. I love what they did at the end. I wasn't here to hear it, but I listened to it online. Um, I love what they did at the end there with the whole passage where they said and challenged us as a church to put our names in the blanks. See, that's a response to this wonderful love that God has offered each and every one of us. See, we, we, are, we are the bride of Christ. We are the church. We are the body. We are the people that God created and created all things around. And he's given us some special treatment. So to jump off what they started, I'd like us to take kind of the next step. See, we, we want to begin everything that we do as a believer from the aspect of love. We want that to be our platform that we springboard off of when we live this life. You know, the Bible teaches us in Matthew, he, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and everything you are. But then he finishes it by saying, all the law and the prophets, everything that has ever been written, all stands on this commandment. See, but what we've done, we've made the mistake as, as believers, is that we offer law when we should be offering Grace. See, we teach law and principles, which is, is good and it's a part of what God desires for us. It's an understanding of our sin. But the platform should be love and grace. Because for every one of us, that's where God started with us. He started with his love. So before we read these passages, let's, let's bow in love for the God that we serve. And let's ask him to speak to us this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your words. Father, we look at the Bible 
as, as your truths. And Lord, we don't always understand these truths. We don't always grasp the things that you have for us, Father. But this morning, by the power of your spirit, we would ask that in these moments that you would just bring clarity, that you would help us to understand that, that marriage truly does matter to you. And what you've done here and what you've created is important. And each and every one of us here has a role to play, a part to play, whether we're married, whether we're single, whether we're a teenager, it doesn't matter. What matters is who we are to you, Father. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that your spirit would move us and guide us and help us to truly understand the purpose and the plan that you have for all of us as your people. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this and we look to you and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start in Genesis. I want to go back to the beginning. This is the, the Genesis story. Genesis chapter 2. If you would turn your Bibles there, your iPads, your iPhones, uh, turn off your Facebook app. Unless you're tweeting stuff about church, then okay, you can do that. And let's read God's word this morning together. So Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. We're going to read 18 through 24. You guys all ready? Give me a, give me a little acknowledgement. Yeah, there you go. All right, let's read it. Good deal. Making sure you're awake. All right, here we go. Starting in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that's what its name, that's what, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. There it is. What it's meant to be. God's design for marriage. See, it's, it's one man, one woman, joined together in one flesh, united in Christ. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. See, it's the union of two very unique individuals, very specific individuals. The way God creates them is very unique, very creative. And God wants to be right at the center of that marriage, that union that he's created. See, the thing that we have to understand this morning, I want to offer you a couple of things. There's a lot of things we can gain from these passages, but a couple of things that I want to offer you this morning is just simply this, that you are important to God. See, you as a single person, you as a young person, you as an old person, you as male, you as female, you are important to God. Listen to what he says here, again, in in 18 and 19. Listen to how God puts this importance, not only on man, but on woman. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. 
and I will make him a helper fit for him. And out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. See, do you see the, the concern that God has for mankind? Do you see the, the empowerment that God gives us? He created all these wondrous things, the heavens and the earth, yet he pulls us aside and he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you some authority here. See, I have, I have a, a deeper concern for, for you as a person. You as my creation. And because of that, I want to use you for a purpose. I want to allow you to do some, some really wondrous things. You know, sometimes I think jokingly, you know, what, what would a tree be if we called it a donkey? <laughs> you know, what would, it, would it, what would some of these things be called if I got the chance to name them? <laughs> I don't know if God would be smiling at that or not, you know. But see, that's what God did. He entrusted us. He, he places a value on us. You and I, we are important to God. These passages, the story of creation tells us just how much so how important we are as mankind it's an amazing thing to understand it's an amazing thing to just think about that god would place such a high importance on us so i want you to think about it this way you and i are created to be like god god says i created man in my image to look like me, to, to be like me, to have my characteristics. God places an importance on us, so he creates us to be like him. And we know that God created us not only to be like him, but to be in relationship with him. God wants this, this special type of intimacy. Nowhere in the Bible do we, do we hear about the intimacy that God has for mankind like anything else. There's, there's nowhere in the Bible where it talks about God, you know, has this intimacy with the animals or, or anything else or the trees. But he talks about the intimacy that he wants to have with you and I. See, God has placed a high priority on us. Genesis 1, flip back a chapter. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27 describe this. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female. Did you grab that? Male and female, he created him. And then he said, bless them. Then he says, be fruitful and multiply. He, he blesses us and then he gives us an opportunity to live in community. He says, I need more of these people. And the way I've created you as men and the way I've created you as female, I want to bless you in that. And I want you to build community, to have fellowship together. See, in his design... And he designed you and he designed me. He was intentional. And he not only wanted us to know him, but he wanted us to live in community together. See, he was doing something 
pretty phenomenal here in these moments. See, this is in part why we gather together on Sunday mornings in community, corporately as the church, the body of Christ, to help each other prepare for all the things that God has for us as individuals, as people, as man and woman, as male and female, as young and old. God created us to live in community. He blessed it at the very beginning. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? So you might be asking yourself right now, well, what does, what does community have to do with marriage? And what does this all have to, to do with marriage? Well, here it is. When we realize how important we are to God and his plans for humanity, we are more likely to take his original design for mankind and do what? Honor it. Use it to bring glory to God. See, when we realize how important we are, how God has shaped us and created us, we're more likely to honor him with our lives. It goes back to that passage in Matthew where Jesus says, love God with all of your heart. Love him with everything that you are. Honor him, glorify him. He says, everything that you know about the word of God, everything you know about God, all rests on this, that you would just love him that you would honor him and you would glorify him. See, your part in marriage is greater than just being married. See, your role as a teenager, your role as a young adult, your role as a married couple is to help each other grow in that relationship with God. You know, I, I, always, I always tell my kids that, that they make me better. And, and they look at me funny usually, but it's so true. They make me better because I, I want to be a better person in this life. I want to do things that will help them to be a better person. You know, together as the church, as the body of Christ, we come together and we, we make it a priority to meet not only here on Sundays, but throughout the week in homes and in various places so that we can help each other be ready for God's coming, for the coming of Jesus Christ. See, we all have an important role to play. And we might think to ourselves, well, you know what? I'm a single person. I really don't have a big role to play in that couple's lives. But I want to I correct you. You do. You have a great role to play. See, the way you love God will be a reflection into their marriage and they'll watch you and they'll see you and they'll, they'll, they'll allow you to influence their lives and you'll be able to help their marriage be stronger. And then when you get married one day, if you do, if it's God's will for you, and you'll go into that marriage with this deep-seated love that will just be an overflow into your marriage. And it's all because you are important to God. You matter to Him, and it does matter in our marriages. See, if we think and we believe and we trust that marriage matters to God, then we'll respond like this. This will be our response. This is the second thing that we see in here is that we are to place a high value on what God created. Verses 22 and 23 say, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. 
And then the man says this. Listen to what Adam says. He says, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I hope you see the excitement that Adam has that that finally I have someone that is like me. She is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. There's this instant communion, this instant connection. And there's this high value placed, this understanding that God created this for me. God has given me all of this. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. It's from the created, God creates. So he creates man, and then from man, he creates again. I got got two words for you. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) what? You know? I think about that. You know, one of the funny thoughts that I had, and I know this is kind of offside, but forgive me, I'm a squirrel chaser. But uh, I was thinking about this passage this week, and it talks about how God had to put man to sleep. You know, and I can relate to that because I'm a big sissy when it comes to like needles and surgery or anything like that, you know? And I'd be like, put me to sleep, please. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to handle the picture of all that. I don't know. I know that was a scroll. I apologize. Back to the passage. <laughs> all right. See, the beautiful thing that, that causes us to be in awe of God is that, that we were created by the hand of God. Did you hear that? You were created by the hand of God. That's a wild moment. That's a, that's a, a moment for us to be in awe of God. See, the Bible teaches us and shows us that God just took a lot of time and effort to create us. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, He is God, It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Pasture. Pastor, right? That was a a Floydian slip, sorry. I got a bunch of them. Come back later. Job 31.15 says, Do not not he who made me in the womb make him? Did not, excuse me, there you go. I'm slipping all over the place. And did not one fashion us in the womb? And Ephesians 2.10 2, says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, there it is. We are all created by a wonderful and loving God. And we matter to God. And because of that, we should matter to each other. See, the only thing that you and I have to do in this is just look at each other and see each other through God's lenses. Look at each other and say, wow, you were created by God and that's impressive. Wow, you were shaped by God and that's impressive because you are important and you are of high value to God. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we we focus too much on on the dirtiness of, of what we bring and the messiness of what we bring in life. See, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but I, I'm a messy person. 
I've got a lot of junk that, that I've carried on through my childhood, through my young adulthood, on into today. And sometimes that messiness, that, that junkiness causes me to be things that are contrary to who God wants me to be. Sometimes I, I lean on those moments because I just feel like I should and I get to and I'm, 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 I'm deservant of it. You know, I, I jokingly tell my wife every now and then, but it's halfway joking because every joke is half truth and half funny. But I tell her, I say, you know, I don't want to be the good guy. Why can't I just yell and scream? Because that's what I really want to do right now. I don't want to be the good guy. See, but what I love about my wife is that she says, you know what, yell and scream. She says, get those emotions out. She says, because regardless, I'm going to love you. And regardless, God loves you. She says, so vent. Say it all. Get it all out. Because that will never change my love for you. That should be what we do for each other. That's what God commands us. That's what God does for you and I. Because how many times in our rooms, in our closets, have we just screamed at God? Have we screamed at our neighbor, at our, our spouses, or at people? And God just smiles and he grabs us and he says, you know what? You go ahead. You go ahead. He says, because I still love you. He said, I I want you to love that person. See, we get the greatest picture of that type of emotion from the Psalms, don't we? We, we hear the psalmist over and over cry out to God, Oh God, hear my prayers. Hear what I'm having to say right now. And then those, those cries turn into praise. Those cries turn into, Oh, Holy Father, the one that I love, the one that has delivered me from my enemies. Thank you. I praise you and I give you glory. See, many of us, we, we want to do things and we want to express things. And God has given us these emotions. And, and I believe all emotions are God-given. I truly do. God created us in his, in his image. And he's, and he's given us these emotions. So, so the only question that we have to ask ourselves is how am I going to express those emotions? Am I, I going to express them so that, that God may be glorified in them and through them? Or am I going to express them so that I may be glorified in them and through them? See, the choice is ours. But we have to remember that as we're expressing those moments and we're experiencing those moments and we're going through those tough times, the person next to us, the one that we're mad at, the one that we've kind of lowered their value, still has a high value in God's kingdom, still has a, a position that God has placed on them and for them that is greater than we probably could ever understand until we get to know their hearts, until we get to understand who they are. See, these relationships and this community, these things have all been given to us by God. Marriage, it's been given to us by God. The way we love our wives, the Bible teaches us very clearly. Ephesians 5 says, love your wife like Christ has loved the church. 
And we have to ask ourselves, well, how does Christ love me? Because I am the church. If I am a follower of Jesus Christ, then I am the body of Christ. I am a portion of the body. And I have a role to play to make this body move properly. And if the hands aren't working, it doesn't matter if the feet are moving. See, we have to work in unity together. See, what we have to realize is that Jesus came for the broken. He came for me just as much as he came for you. You know, the truth of the matter is that God loves us all equally. My mom tells me that all the time. I've got four sib- or three other siblings, four of us total, and she tells me, I love you guys all the same. And I wink at her, I say, no, I'm really the favorite, aren't I? It'll be our secret. She just smiles at me and says, you believe what you want to believe, son. <laughs> but I believe it. <laughs> just like I believe that God loves me more. You know, but the truth of the matter is that he doesn't. But sometimes my actions reflect that. Sometimes my responses to other people and the way I place value on people reflect that I think that God loves me more. I'm better than. And see, that's not what God teaches. That's not what the Bible teaches us. He, he wants us to have a high value on each other. See, because God created it. God designed it. And it's what it's meant to be. And that's why we should have a high value on marriage. You know, in our, in our culture today, there's the, the big, you know, um, same-sex marriage debate. And there are, there are many Christians that believe that it's okay. Or people that believe that it's okay. But if we are to stand with Jesus, then we have to stand in opposition to that. We have to stand and say, what God meant it to be is right here in God's word. And if you're unclear, if you're not sure, then let me show you. Let me help you. And and I want you to do it from this standpoint. I want you to understand this is how a believer, someone that stands with Jesus Christ does it. It's not throwing a jab or punching someone in the forehead because they don't believe the same thing you do. It goes back just like Jesus did for us. It's from the springboard of love. Because Jesus loved us in our sin. He loves us even though we're broken. And that's how we should do it as Christ followers. If we stand for the true definition of biblical marriage, then we need to proclaim it and share it and talk about it even in opposition from a platform of love. Showing and telling those people that that you as an individual, we love you. We love you as a person. We love you because God created you. But we will tell you that that we're, we're in opposition of your behaviors. Because your behaviors aren't reflective of the purpose and the plan that God intended for you. They're in opposition to that. And I think we can have a healthy dialogue. I think we can share those things and talk about those things in a way that really communicates and glorifies God in it. We don't have to post it on Facebook and hammer down on somebody. I had a a guy tell me a a few weeks ago, I I told him I was a pastor and and he called me a Bible thumper. (laughs) 
was like, oh, I, that's like the first time I've ever been called a Bible thumper, which is kind of funny, but it, I started to think about that as I was preparing this message, and I think sometimes as Christians, that's what we want to do. We want to thumb people with our Bibles, you know? It's like, don't you get it? You know, but that's not what God calls us to do. The Bible wasn't used to hit with people, people with it. It was to, used to, it should be intended to be to encourage people with it, right? That's why he gave us his word. It encourages me. I hope it does you. And so why would we think it should be any different for anybody else? See, we have to show love. And one of the greatest things about this is we think about the, the high value that God has placed on those that he has created And one of the greatest things as a believer that we should understand is that all this is being done to prepare us for Christ's return. See, we are the bride of Christ. We're preparing for a wedding. And when we prepare for a wedding, we're preparing, we're putting on our best clothes. See, it's his righteousness that we're clothing ourselves with. And he offers us He says he offers it to all of us, his righteousness. See, because the fact of the matter is that we can can point the finger all day long and tell people how wrong and bad they are. But the fact of the matter is that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. There'll be a moment when Jesus returns that each and every one of us sit in the presence of God and we will have to account for our own deeds. We'll have to account for the way that we lived our lives. And as much as I'd like to, I can't blame my wife. I can't point to her and say, well, it's her fault, God. She did this to me. It was because of what she said and what she did and how she lived. See, God won't accept that. See, that's why we have to prepare today in our own hearts, in our own minds. That's why we have to read God's word on our own. That's why we have to learn and discover the things that God has for us. See, because God, remember, he created marriage. And when God creates something, he wants to be glorified in it. See, God created you so that you would glorify him. And it's a personal thing. It's between you and him. And he wants you to live for him. He wants you to put on his righteousness, and be ready for when he comes back. Because one day Jesus will return. It may be in our lifetime, it may not be. Some say it is. Some say it isn't. But the only one that knows is God. And because of that, you and I, we have to be ready. I love what it says in Revelation 19. It says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. So it was given to us that we could do this. For the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. See, we should be excited for the coming Savior. We should be so excited, just like we were getting ready for a wedding. And we should do everything we can to prepare. See, because marriage matters to God. See, we have to seek God's righteousness in Jesus Christ. It's unity in the bond of peace, and it's us identifying in the unity of Christ as one body. And that's why it matters for all of us, whether married or not married. It matters for all of us. Jesus explains it like this in Mark 10. 
verse 5, he says, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two flesh, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Does marriage matter to God? What it's meant to be? Absolutely. And because of that, it should matter to us. And why? Because male and female, people, we matter to God. We are important to God. You are important to God. Let's pray together. Father, we know that that marriage was your design, and we just thank you for that. Lord, we we thank you that, that you've shown us some things this morning that maybe we just didn't completely understand. Lord, we thank you that, that you've offered us the opportunity to, to walk in your righteousness, to walk in the truths of, of your scripture, of your word. Lord, I pray that, that our response today will be that of praise and exaltation to you, Father, because you've made us and you've created us in a way that, it, that is so special. And so amazing. Father, you've offered us privilege. Privilege in in, in being able to be a part of what you've created and what you've designed. Lord, I hope we go away from here this morning changed by just understanding that we are so privileged. That it is a, a great honor to not only proclaim the name of Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, but to also to love one another and to encourage each other on this journey. Because what you have created has a purpose. And what you have designed has meaning. And Lord, we want to glorify you in that. And we know the only way that we can do that is by loving you with all of our hearts, with all that we are, and by loving one another. Because everything that is written, everything that we know, everything that has been taught from day one, just it all stands on those two commands. Lord Father, I, I praise you for these people. I pray that, that your spirit would just fill them and indwell them. And today would not only be a day that we exalt you and rejoice in you and worship you, Father, but tomorrow would be another day and Tuesday would be another day and Wednesday would be another day and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And we come back next Sunday just screaming your praises, Father. Because we've understood the great things that you have for us. The purpose and the plan. Thank you, Father. We love you. We exalt you. We praise you. And we do it all in Jesus' holy, precious name. And the church says, amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. 
you may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.